Well, hello, and I want to welcome you to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Horton. I'm here to bring you a short message that's designed to help you become all that God created you to be and to live your life to the fullest. Thank you so much for listening. Let's get into today's message. Well, it is an exciting day to be alive and perhaps a challenging day to some degree. But again, I'm having a great week because I'm choosing to, and I hope you are too. And glad to be with you today on our Victory Church Weekly Podcasts. Encourage you to invite a friend to um, to uh, listen to these with you. And again, let us know that you're listening. I'm open for any conversation you'd like to have. So you can email me. All my stuff, I think, has just been given you. So uh, feel free to... Uh, Talk to me about any of the content. Would love to hear from you. Um, I started talking uh, Tuesday uh, about uh, just the importance of growing in God, not remaining as we are. I mentioned uh, when the Jewish folk take their Shabbat or Sabbath uh, from Friday night to Saturday night weekly, they frequently reflect on the past week, the next week, the past month, the next month past year, the next year. I do that. I started doing that many years ago, so I frequently throughout my week think about where I am and what I was doing a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, and then I fast forward to what I'm going to be doing next month and then next year this time. Where do I want to be? And, you know, we all should want to be growing spiritually. And that's, you know, if you're growing spiritually, you know what it means? It means it means you're growing uh, not not only in your relationship with the Lord, but you're growing mentally. You're making mental changes uh, in areas that hinder your life. You're you're challenging your emotions to be stable and and to not upset you about this or that as they may have had in the past. You're challenging your will to to yield to God and not be so stubborn and rebellious. Right? You know, you know what it do, else it does. It also deals with our uh, personal relationships and just what that looks like. And uh, so I encourage you, be a person that's constantly growing. I talked about four levels of growth in the Word. And this is important to know because, you know, we should be growing and changing and developing. And there's a path, really, that you follow if you're growing in God. I mentioned this in my message last Sunday, but I wanted to reiterate it because I think it's so important. Uh, here with our uh, weekly podcast. So yesterday I talked about the first level of growth in the Word is you're actually a convert. That is, you just come to Jesus, you become a new creature in Christ, and and you're beginning to to, to wake up. You're, you're, you're awakened spiritually, and now, like Lazarus, who was raised from the dead by Jesus in John chapter 11, and he had to be unwrapped from the, from the strips of cloth that we call grave clothes when Jesus said, loose him, loose Lazarus, who was dead and now is alive, loose him and let him go. He had to be unwrapped. And you know what? God has to unwrap us from all of the habit patterns and lifestyles that have been very familiar to us that are against him and his word and his holiness and his purity and all that, all that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, that's the convert stage of of, of walking with God. And again, God is, you know, let me tell you, the Lord is so gracious and compassionate with us. He doesn't overwhelm us with change when we first come to the Lord. He lets us enjoy and experience his presence, right? It's really a cool thing. And he just loves on us immensely when we, 
when we first come to him. And then he just keeps that up as we, as we walk with him. And then little by little bit, he, little bit by little bit, he coaches us. And he'll talk to us about one area of life at a time. And I mentioned in my own life how he dealt with me about pride, about selfishness, about gossip, about believing the worst of people instead of the best and those kinds of things. And a little bit at a time, he began to deal with me about those things. And I would go, I would go to the Word of God, which is my second point. So there is a progression, listen, in your growth in God. You start with, with you know, just, just being a new convert, just a new believer, and, and you're learning and growing, and God's beginning to deal with you about areas of your life. But the sex, next phase of growth is really crucial. And this kind of, so to speak, separates the, the men from the boys or the, or the uh, you know, girls from the women, okay? Uh, and that is you become an epistle. And, and that's where the Word of God gets inside of you. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2, the Apostle Paul said, You are our epistle talking to the Corinthian believers, written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Wow. So, so, so what does it mean to be an epistle? That is, you not only hear the word, but you're getting the word inside of you. The word of God is beginning to make an impact on how you think and is producing change in how you live. So what happens, what happens when I become an epistle? I'm not just reading the word. But when I become an epistle, I start memorizing the Word of God. So somebody said to me years ago, you know, um, you know, it's about a foot and a half between your head and your heart. And when you first start reading the Word, it's just in your head. And God wants us to drop His Word from our head into our hearts. And that only comes by meditation. So let me say this. Uh, maybe you've been in the Lord for a long time, and maybe you have a 365-day Bible where you, you, know, you read through the Bible in a year, and you go through an Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, or Proverbs, Scripture a day. That's fine. But if all you do is read, you're not becoming an epistle. It takes more than just reading the Word. It takes, it takes meditating, cogitating it, meditating it chewing on it like you know like a cow i mentioned this sunday like a cow chews the cud what does a cow do he grazes in the field with the grass he grazes grass and a cow has seven stomachs right so he swallows the grass and then it begins to you know go through the process of uh of uh, being ingested in, in a part of his body and then and then you know in the in the hot of the day heat of the day he'll go find a tree and maybe stand in a puddle of a pond or whatever. Maybe there's a tree right beside it, if you can envision that. And, uh, and then he, what does the cow do? It's kind of gross, but he upchucks that first stomach's contents that he just chewed. And he just chews it again and then swallows it again. Now, what is that's meditation. What do you do when you meditate? You read the word, but then you go back to it and think about it. Now, I've been doing this for 40, listen to this, 47 years. And I'm telling you, when you get the Word of God from your head into your heart, it is a life-changing experience. Let me say, tell you what happened to me. Just out of desperation, I, my mind was so out of control, and my mind was like a video. It would just play so, so easily and frequently. You know, you have in an instant, uh, in, a, in a millisecond, 
associate thought association comes where you know you're somewhere and a silhouette of someone reminds you of somebody five years ago or or you may be in the city driving and you remember where you were three years ago when you did that you maybe you've recently come to the lord that was my experience or i even had experience well where i smelled a smell and that smell whether it was wood burning or somebody's cologne or perfume i smelled a smell and that smell reminded me of an experience I had way back when. They say that's thought association. And then, and that would happen to me. And then, oh my goodness, I would find myself thinking about what I was doing when I saw that or where that said, when that silhouette I saw and it reminded me of someone or smell the smell or whatever. And, and I would find myself thinking on that and just getting back down in the dump, so to speak, and just going back to my old life. Then I cried, I said, God, I've got to do something. Here's what happened to me out of desperation. I said, God, you know, I've got to do something to keep my mind free and clear of the past. And I don't want to be dwelling on who I was and what I did and who I did it with. I want to, I want to be in today. I want to live in the moment of today. I want to have a relationship with you. You know what he led me to do? I tried to pray this way. I tried to pray bad thoughts away and it didn't work. I tried to sing bad thoughts away, but you can't sing all the time. You got to work. And then you're around other people and interrupt them when they're working. Right. And you know, uh, you can pray, you can sing, you can rebuke the devil. And you know what I found out? None of those did any good with my thoughts. They'd come right back. But you know what I found out? If I replaced the thoughts I was thinking when I found out I was thinking them, thought association happened and I'm thinking in the wrong way. The moment I found out, you know what? I put a scripture in my mind. Here's the first scripture I got. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, my brother, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy. Think on these things. You know what? I began, in fact, I stuck that, I wrote that scripture out on a little index card. We did not have the internet in 1976, but we did have index cards and pens. And so I, I wrote that scripture down with the, with the reference, Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy, think on these things. I wrote that on that card and put it in my pocket. Here's what I did. Every once in a while, I'd pull that card out and look at it and read that scripture, Philippians 4, 8. And, and then I would think, what am I doing? And boy, many times my mind was just gone backwards bad. And I said, oh, God, forgive me. And I would put that scripture and I would think on that scripture. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy. Think on these things. I would think on that. And I'd let that scripture revolve over and over in my mind. Then as time went by, I got other scripture like... like um, like um, uh, Romans eight thirty seven, nay, and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us and gave himself for us. I would meditate on that. Or 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And I would meditate on 1 John 4, 4. And I could just rattle off so many scriptures over the years that, you know, I've just taken, taken time to meditate. I woke up last night. I meditate when I have idle mental time. And I mentioned that last time. I encourage you to do that. It will free your mind in God and awaken the Holy Spirit in you. And you will begin to become an epistle. The word of God will drop from your head to your heart when you meditate on the word. And that, that's, the, that's the real key. So when you become an epistle, you no longer live to please yourself. You live to please the Lord. Let me give you a scripture God gave me many years ago. And I often use this scripture in a relation to marriage and teaching on marriage. 
I know it sounds odd, but, but 1 Corinthians 6, 17, and here in the context of 1 Corinthians 6, the Apostle Paul is just really encouraging the believers to walk in a pure and holy way. They were, um, they were having sex with, uh, with pagan prostitutes in a pagan temple and then coming home and being intimate with their wives, and, and they were violating their, their, their holy relationship with the Lord because of that and bringing the Holy Spirit into some pretty bad places and and in the middle of, of Paul admonishing them to be pure sexually, 1 Corinthians six seventeen, he said to them, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. I begin to meditate on 1 Corinthians six seventeen. He that is joined to the Lord is, is one spirit with him. And you know what I came up with? As you meditate in the word and get in the word of God and get the word of God inside of you, as you go through the day, you stop making decisions based on what you think, what you want to do, what somebody else says, what the pressure of the circumstance wants you to do. You start making decisions based on what God says in his word about you. When, when, you're, when you realize that, he that is joined to the Lord or she who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. You know what? You, it changes how you think. Here's, here's the way I think about it. When I first came to Jesus, before I came to Jesus, let's just say my pre-Jesus days when I was a sinner. I just did what I wanted to do, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I, I, I went where I wanted to li go. I did what I wanted to do. I ate what I wanted to eat. I befriended whoever I wanted to befriend, did whatever with my body I wanted to do, with my mind, yada, yada, whatever thing I wanted to watch or hear. As long as I wasn't breaking civil law and I could stay free, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's the way most of us live before we come to the Lord. But you know what, when I came to Jesus, that changed. There's no longer me living for myself. It was now Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit through the Word. He's living in me. And, and now that I've come to Jesus, I live my life in the light of my fellowship with him and, and, and his word that lives inside of me. And when you become an epistle, the word lives inside of you just by meditating on it, thinking about it over and over and over. And, and you find that he has something to say about how we think, how we talk, how we relate to others, how we relate to our spouse, how we relate to our children, our grandchildren, what we do with our time. Uh, the attitudes we have towards life in general and towards other people, how we do our work, how we relate to authority figures in our life, what we do with our physical bodies, what we do with our, the motivations we have to do this or that, what we eat when we rest, what I do with my leisure time. See, he has something to say about all of it. I've got to be willing to let him do it. And when you become an epistle and the word gets in you, that's what happened. That word rises up inside you and it begins to germinate. The word of God begins to grow. And the word itself, because it has, because it's alive and full of power, um, like Jesus said in John 6, 63, that word comes alive and it starts crowding out desires to do things that you did before you knew Jesus that you know will hurt you or hurt other people or harm your body or, or harm the situation or relationship you're in. He will start dealing with you. The Word itself will do that. And that's why getting into the Word and becoming an epistle is so important. Ephesians 5, listen to Ephesians 5, 18. Uh, the Apostle Paul said to the Ephesian believers, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit 
singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Really, you know what he's talking about? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, really to be controlled by Him, is to be controlled by the Word. I'm no more controlled. Listen, I am no more controlled by the Holy Spirit than I am controlled by the Word. If I'm not letting the Word rule me, I'm not letting the Holy Spirit rule me. If I'm not obeying the Word, I'm not obeying Jesus. If I'm not seeking first His Word, I'm not seeking first the Lord. I mean, hey, y'all, that's the way it works. Listen to Colossians 3, 16 and 17. It says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. It kind of parallels Ephesians 5.18 I just read, right? Then he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do in all in the name of Jesus, or just as if Jesus himself were doing that in your place, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So again, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How do you do that meditation? How do you meditate? Read a scripture, oh, just a scripture, singular, one scripture, over and over and over and over. Write it down, put it in the notes section of your phone, get your Bible out. You may have a Bible on your on your, on your phone or whatever. If you go to that and just read it over and over, say it out loud when you read it. I found that if you say something out loud or read out loud, you can remember it and your mind won't wander on 50 other different things while you're, while you're thinking about it. So say it out loud. Speak it out loud. A form of me meditation is to speak out loud or to say something out loud. Another form of meditation is to let something revolve over and over in your mind. So when I'm by myself, I meditate in the Word often by saying it out loud, but you know, if I'm lying in bed at night, for instance, and my wife Susan is lying beside me in the bed and we're asleep and I wake up, well, I don't talk out loud because I may wake her up, but you know what I will do? I'll ruminate the word, that is, let it go over and over in my mind. I've got so many scripture on so many subjects memorized now that I just keep the word fresh in me by just letting them go over and over and over in my mind. What will that do? It'll keep your faith strong. It'll keep fear out. It'll keep you refreshed in the Word and keep you sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need today. We'll talk about that another time. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. See, the Word of God, because it's alive, it's full of God's power, and it cuts. It cuts our motivations and our thoughts and shows us why we think what we think, and, and it shows us what we're thinking that hinders our lifestyle, that hinders our relationships, hinders how we think about ourselves and the Lord. It just, the Word is powerful. And it's sharp, and it goes deep into the inside of you. And it shows us who we really are, and it enables us to say, God, I don't want this in my life. I don't want that in my life. I want to change this. I want to change that. It's amazing how the Word of God changes us. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. I've spent a lot of time meditating on this verse. Um, Jesus answered and said to the devil when he attempted him in the wilderness, said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out from the mouth of God. And that's a quote from Deuteronomy. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that proceeds from the mouth of God. I have translated that inside myself. The same way that my physical food feeds my physical body, the Word of God enriches me spiritually, feeds me spiritually. So, you know, as much as I need to eat to, to have energy to do the work I need to do or... You know, if you're going to work out and exercise for me, if I go on a long bicycle ride on the Noose River Trail, I've got to eat. Boy, I've got to eat some carbohydrates big time if I'm going to go for several hours, right? So, so see, see, the Word is nutrition for us. Just like you need physical nutrition, you need spiritual nutrition. Without spiritual nutrition from the Word, we're emaciated spiritually. We just don't grow as we should. And then we don't have the energy to overcome the temptations of the flesh, the world, the devil, and all of the things around us that can hinder our walk with God. So again, um, um, let me ask you again, are, are you becoming an epistle? Uh, is the word of God going from your head to your heart? And are you seeking to meditate on it, to drop it into your heart so that you'll act upon it? Let me say it again, the word of God that abides in us richly where we are an epistle, where the word's inside of us, that's the word that we practice. If I know the word, but I don't practice the word, the word of God is only in my head, and it's not in my heart, and it's not changing my life. Does that make sense? So let me tell you, the Lord really challenged me, believe it or not. You know, I've been to two Bible schools, the first one in 1977, and then I graduated from Kenneth Hagin School in 1981. And I got on staff at a church in Tulsa where I lived, and I've told this story. Let me repeat it. Um, in 1983, my, Susan worked uh, first shift. I worked second shift at a church. And, you know, so she's gone during the day. And I, I worked late. I worked till 11 o'clock at night, then go to bed, and then get up in the morning. And, and then Susan's, of course, already up and, and gone to work and because um, she went to work early. And so I'm there by myself in the morning. So, um, but, but, you know, at that time of my life, uh, March of, of 1983, I was young, uh, uh, March of, of 83, let's see, you know, I felt myself quite lethargic at that time and, and I just felt tired all the time. And the, and the Lord spoke to me in March of 1983 and he said, Mitch, I want you to, I want you to start jogging, exercising, and I want you to do it for the rest of your life. You know how I did that? I did that incrementally. Uh, again, like, like Isaiah 28 says, a line upon line, precept upon precept. So this was uh, a little bit of time, uh, 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 an eighth of a mile, a quarter of a mile, a half a mile, three quarters of a mile, one mile without stopping. I started that, and it took me several weeks because I was really badly out of shape. I'd go an eighth of a mile and then walk around the rest of the mile. Then finally, after a few days, I got up to a quarter of a mile, and I get the proverbial stitch in your side and then walk around. And then half a mile, the same way, three quarters. And finally, I could, I could jog one mile uh, without stopping and getting the, you know, the stitch because of lack of oxygen. Uh, and and do okay and then and then I and and so that was exciting but you know what happened I, I found out your body's like your machine once you point in the right direction it just keeps moving I I got up to five miles over a several month period five miles and forty minutes an eight minute mile you're not gonna win any contests or races but you know it does get you in really good shape and I got in really good shape and I felt so good and I followed that all of my life I started biking and. You know, 11, what, 11 years ago, I guess now, 12, almost 12 years ago. and uh, But I still walk, and I walk every day. You know, as you age, you change how you do things. But that idea of exercising never changed. Well, a year later, see, see, here I am. Susan's working, and, boy, I'm just really unhappy. 
<coughs> excuse me, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, Mitch, what's first in your life? I said, well, you are. Then he said, make me first in your day. And he really challenged me to start getting up early. And at the time, I just didn't want to do that. I'm not an early riser. I mentioned this Sunday when I was talking about this. But listen, I've just never been an early riser from my, from my young age until, you know, until I became an adult and married Susan. In fact, when I married Susan, I said, look, I love you, but in the morning, we just don't talk. I won't talk. But when the Lord told me to get up early and spend time with him, I, I thought, how am I going to do that? And the Lord said, do it like you did jogging. I said, I can do that. So I got up five minutes early. I went to bed five minutes earlier. And then when that was dissatisfying, I got up 10 minutes early and went to bed 10 minutes earlier. And then when that was dissatisfying, I didn't have enough time. Then I upped it to 15 minutes, getting up 15 minutes early, going to bed 15 minutes early. Y'all, listen, I, I got, it got to where I, I started getting up at 4.30 in the morning. Not because it was just out of the inside of me desire I had to be with God. And y'all, it, it surprised me that, that I could do it incrementally a little bit at a time. So I started getting in the Word, started praying. And y'all, listen, when I got into the Word in the morning, y'all, it started changing everything about me. I didn't, instead of waiting until the afternoon or evening, I got in the Word of God in the morning, had a really precious time with Jesus in the morning. It revolutionized who I am to this day. And God would speak to me in the morning, and I would think about the Word that I read that morning, and I would meditate on a scripture or two in the morning, and then take the scripture with me all through my day. So when the devil attacked my, me with doubt and fear and unbelief and dread and, and depression, oppression, I had the word of God inside of me. I got that morning uh, uh, when the temptations of the flesh came, and they come to all of us. You know what? Uh, when I just wanted to be rebellious, you know what happened? The word of God would rise up inside me. And you know why? Because I started my day with God. See, when you become an epistle, life changes. When you become an epistle, your will becomes absorbed into God's will. <laughs> when you become an epistle, it revolutionizes how you live your life. So let me ask you again. Are you becoming an epistle? Are you doing the things necessary to get the word inside of you so it's in your, not just your mind, but in your heart, you're meditating on it? Let me read. I, this is going to take not very long. I'm looking at the time, but I've got a really great quote from E.W. Kenyon. I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Change Your Mind to Change Your Life. And in this book on page 35, I've got a life-changing quote from E.W. Kenyon. By the way, you can find my book on Amazon. It's in digital form. You can order a hard copy. I have them at church here if you go to Victory. But listen to this quote. I love this quote. I found this in a book entitled The Hidden Man by E.W. Kenyon. And this is on pages 53 and 54. Listen to what this is so good. Listen to what this says. And he's talking about meditation. He says, E.W. Kenyon says, the most spiritual Men and women I know are people who have given much time to meditation. You can't develop spiritual wisdom without meditation. Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written therein. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success or deal wisely in the affairs of life. Take time to meditate, he says, in the word. Shut yourself in alone with your own spirit, where the clamor of the world is shut out. If you're ambitious to do something worthwhile, I would suggest that you take 
10 or 15 minutes for meditation. Learn to do it. In other words, begin the development of your own spirit. You may develop any gift that you wish to. The most important gift that God has given to you is the spirit. It is the development of the spirit that is going to mean more to you than any other thing. The great majority of men do not think. They live in the realm of the senses. The senses have limitations. Your spirit, he says, has practically no limitations. You can develop your spirit life until you dominate circumstances. Your spirit can come into vital union with deity, uh, become a partaker of the divine nature. That spirit with God's nature in it can fellowship with God on terms of absolute equality with God himself. Do you see the limitless possibilities, he says? Jesus brings you into contact with spiritual things, not mental things. Spiritual things are as real as physical things. Your spirit can come to the point where the things of his word will become as real to you. And Jesus will become as real to you as any loved one. You can see the necessity of your taking time to meditate, to get quiet with the Lord. You may take time to sit with his word and let the spirit unveil his word to your spirit. If you will, you will know him in reality. So, Lord, I just pray for me and all of us that, Lord, not only will we be converts who know Jesus, but, Lord, we will ingest the Word of God and become epistles known and read by all people. Let the Word of God through meditation enter into our hearts and change how we think and how we live and how we relate. Lord, make us a blessing to others, I pray, as we walk with you and become an epistle in Jesus' name. God bless you. I look forward to talking to you the next time about this. Thanks for listening to the Victory Church Weekly Podcast. I hope you're able to get something out of the message today. Before you leave, please make sure uh, that you subscribe or leave a review on whatever platform that you're listening from. Doing this goes a long way in helping us reach a wider audience. Lastly, if you want to reach out with questions, concerns, prayer requests, or comments about today's content, you can email me at pastor at victorychurchraleigh.com. I would love to hear from you. Now go out there and be all that God created you to be today. God bless you.